Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. I'll tell you, you want to find out what's going on in our city, your state, the world, you tune into our 5 o'clock show and you'll find out. Common Sense Democrats, we got Judge Richard Weinberg, Common Sense Republicans, the former congressman, I hate to say former congressman, Peter King. King's Highway was named after you, I remember John, that. John, the secret is out now, yes. And, uh, they even named before I was born. They knew it was going to be so important. <laughs> Lydia Serrani, thank you for being here. And uh, we have a, a great show today. We have so many... Uh, we have Charlie Gasparino will be speaking to... Um, uh, Congressman Andrew Garbarino, John McLaughlin, Dr. Bruce Farber of Northwell Health. But first on the line with us, we have Andy McCarthy. He's a columnist for the National Review. He served as a assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Oh, it's great to be with all of you. How are you? Good. I just watched you on Larry Kudlow's show. You were excellent. And uh, t- tell us what you told Larry. Well, what Larry wanted to talk about was this search at Mar-a-Lago, and uh, he, I guess, buys my theory that the search is mainly a pretext that allowed them to go in and look for evidence in connection with January 6th. And I, so it, clear, it was in, in search of a crime? Well, I think they have a theory about a crime. What they're, you know, searching for is evidence that uh, that bears out their theory. And of course, we have to remember the Mar-a-Lago is not the only place they've searched. Right? In just the last six weeks, they ser- they did two search warrants on lawyers who were connected to January 6th. A, a Justice Department lawyer named Jeffrey Clark and a Trump lawyer named John Eastman. Last week, they issued grand jury subpoenas to two Trump White House counsel lawyers. And the day after Mar-a-Lago, uh, the search at Mar-a-Lago, uh, they stopped uh, a, a congressman from Pennsylvania, Congressman Perry, uh, Scott Perry, I think is his name. Uh, they stopped him on the street in Pennsylvania, and it turned out they had a search warrant, and they took his phone, just like they had taken Eastman's phone a few weeks back. So I don't think you can look at the Mar-a-Lago search in a vacuum. I think it's it's of a piece with this other frenetic activity we're seeing from the Justice Department. Part of this may be theater. It may be that, you know, they're trying to show the left that they're really aggressively investigating January 6th. Um, but part of it is, you know, they truly are trying to make a case. Andy, well, this is Pete King. Now, you're the career I prosecutor, think- but I, I haven't seen raids used as often as they've been in, in recent years, whether it was against Roger Stone, whether it was against Manafort, whether it was against uh, Navarro. Navarro Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, now, you know, President Trump. To me, I, I always thought a raid was like the last stitch effort. It was the last thing you did, and it was a, a matter of extreme urgency. And uh, certainly, like last year, Rudy with his phones, this time with the president. I mean, I, I just don't see how a records case would warrant a raid like that, especially when Trump you know, does have lawyers and they've been negotiating with him. And Andy McCarthy, yeah, I, just adding to that a question, uh, if that is proper procedure, the sources are saying that the FBI did not let Trump attorneys watch the raid Newsweek is now reporting that they had an informant. There's other reports saying that the uh, guys, the FBI required the Trump aides to turn off the surveillance cameras that were inside the home. So all of this just seems like this is not part of proper procedure. Wait, wait, wait. wait. And the other story is going around that the Secret Service agreed 
to do it when Trump wasn't home, so they don't would have to, they wouldn't have to put Trump in handcuffs. I mean, give me a break. I, I, what the I, heck is going on? I, I had heard they were notified forty five minutes before the Secret Service. And, and the Secret Service, if the president was there and the Secret Service was there, who who gets high bidding? The Secret Service to protect the president or or the, the, or the FBI. FBI? Andrew McCarthy, what do you know? That's a lot. I'm sorry. I know. I'm. I'm not in handcuffs. I know that. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Andrew. Oh my god. Yeah. Not yet. That's right. Oh you say the wrong thing. That's right. Gonna get you. It's true. Stop I writing those good columns. You guys, they'll be frog marching me out of here. I know. Um, well, you know, look, it's standard procedure when you do uh, search warrants to, uh, you know, to detain people briefly, so that the agents are allowed to do that. Now, you know, everything's situational. I doubt they would do that with President. President Trump, but I think to go to, to to the question that Pete teed up, which which to me is the is the most important thing here in terms of um, whether whether everybody's getting the same quality of justice. Uh, you know, you, usually the guidance in the Justice Department is that you should try to use the least intrusive means of collecting evidence to collect it. So. If you can convince someone to just voluntarily give you something, you do that. If you need a subpoena, you do that. But, you know, you don't go to a warrant to get what you could get with a subpoena. That's sort of common sense thing. And I think what has people very disturbed here is it looks like they went, like, right to DEFCON 5. Uh, you know, one minute they're having amicable negotiations between the lawyers for Trump and the lawyers for uh, the National Archives, and the next thing – you know, the FBI is showing up at the door with a with a search warrant, and that's not usually the way it goes. Now, there, there may be reasons for that, and I understand that the Justice Department will never want to discuss the details of an ongoing investigation. Like, they won't want to tell us what their evidence is. They won't tell, want to tell us what the informants are. Fine. That's how they always are. But I do think – and, Pete, I, I think in Congress they would want this as well – you, if you're Garland, I think it's in the interest of the Justice Department to give an explanation for why they thought they needed to do a search warrant. You know, you don't have to tell us who the informants are or the whole parameters of your investigation. But, you know, it would make a big difference to people if the attorney general said, look, first we asked them to give us back this uh, material. And then we went down there to meet with them to explain to them why the law required them to turn it over. They still didn't want to turn it over. So then we gave them a grand jury subpoena. They still ignored us. And finally, we finally had to do a search warrant. You know, if they gave an explanation like that, I think people would say, OK, I don't really like this, but I understand why they did what they did. But they're not even giving us that. And I think it's going to be a lot of. Lydia, do you remember yeah. what Mike Pompeo said a couple of days ago? Well, Mike Mike Pompeo tweeted out shortly after the raid. He said executing a warrant against an ex-president of the United States is is dangerous. The apparent political weaponization of the DOJ and FBI is shameful. The attorney general must explain why 250 years of practice was upended. I served on Benghazi where we proved Hillary possessed classified info. We didn't raid her home. Yeah, that's you know, that really hits the nail on the head. Because with respect to Mrs. Clinton, uh, it, not only is that true, the FBI throughout that whole investigation, even after like 30,000 government records she had, she never even deigned to turn them over. And she destroyed them. And far from like tossing her house or getting a search warrant for her, everything in the investigation was pretty pleased. 
Everything uh, in the investigation was. And, and, you know, we, did they do anything against uh, who was the IRS uh, uh, person in charge of the IRS? Lois Lerner. Lerner. Did they do anything with Lois Lerner? Did they do anything with the former Attorney General under Obama? What's his name? Eric Holder. They just Eric took Holder? Hillary's word that all of her emails just had to do with uh, no, I'm wedding just saying, Look, I believe in equal justice under the law. Right. And right now, the American people are having a problem. Maybe we're not having equal justice under the law. The problem, Andy, it's Richard Weinberg. The problem from, from my vantage point is as follows. You have one false series of accusations, allegations, one after the other. First you had Russian collusion. Then you had these ridiculous impeachment charges. Andy wrote the best book on the Russian collusions, folks, by the way. Thank you. Okay. So you have the, you have the Russian collusion. You have the, two, you have the two impeachments. Now you have this. You have the total suppression of the Hunter Biden uh, yeah. emails and, uh, and, and phones. I mean, give me a break. Everybody's saying there's one standard of justice for the Democrats. There's another standard of justice for Republicans. And I'm saying as a Democrat, I'm perplexed by that. How can they get away with this? Andy? Well, you're a man of the law. You're, you've, been a, uh, you've been a lawyer. Or your father was a judge. You, you were, you, he was a lawyer. You, he was a judge. You were, you're a lawyer. You're a judge. You're a man of the law. And it means something. Yeah. And, to, and to people like uh, Andy McCarthy and me, going through it the right way and having equal, equal justice under the law is not a cliche. It's the very vital principle of our society. Judge Weinberg, I want to ask you, and I also want to ask Andy McCarthy again, who's on the line with us. He's a columnist for the National Review and served as the assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Regarding this uh, report that there was an informant and then apparently that laid the groundwork for the judge authorizing the warrant. That seems a little odd, too, because you could, you're just taking someone else's word. Well, if it's Andy will uh, tell you as a prosecutor, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you as, as, as a former prosecutor and as a judge, if you have a good judge, you make the prosecutor and the case agent go for their proof on the reliability, the credibility of the informant. Were they previously reliable? If they didn't have a track record of previous reliability, what do they know? How do they know it on the information? You just don't sign a search warrant, Andy. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it would be the unusual warrant that wouldn't have information from an informant. But as the judge just said, the, the, the thing is you have to give the court something to hang its hat on with respect to relying on the informant. You have to show like, you know, we've we've gotten information from this person five times and each time it's been corroborated. Like they told us, he told us where the drugs were four times and we went four times and we found the drugs. You know, well, four you times. have to give them some. Now, one, you know, one more thing before we take record. a break, uh, Andrew. Uh, tell us about the judge in the case that signed off on it. I don't understand that uh, he has a, a few things in his uh, Campaign contributions. Yeah, as I understand that yeah, he's um, he's a left wing Democrat, which you know, you get left wing, you get right wing. That's yeah, not which is alarming. Fine. What is alarming is that he's made uh, public statements that are pretty rapidly anti-Trump, as I understand it. I haven't read his rich orb of work. So the question say, is, did, did the DOJ about- go 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 shopping for the judge? Because well, I also I, it, understand that he was what? He was, also recused himself in an, an Obama case because he donated a lot of money to the Obama But I also understand he represented people against uh, – he was in Jeff Epstein case sometimes? Right. He recused himself in that case too, I right. think, or something. He represented some employees with Jeffrey Epstein. I'm not really sure. In other words, there's a little bit of uh, 
hair on the on the deal. I, I'd say I'd say two things about that. Uh, you know, number one, they've no, the government has known about the classified information and the government's record issue um, since January, at least. The Justice Department has known. So, any time they could have gotten a warrant at any time over, say, seven or eight months, and they pick a particular time, you have to wonder why they picked this particular time. And the second thing I find very curious is. All of this uh, activity, um, and in particular starting with um, Mar-a-Lago, it all suddenly happens when Congress is done. You know, when Congress is uh, suddenly adjourned and everybody has gone hither and yon. You know, they had that voterama in the Senate over the weekend, um, and now Congress is is not around. And I think it's not unusual for uh, the executive branch when they're going to do something controversial to wait for a time when Congress has left town, because even though you're hearing a lot of complaints and everything, it's hard to mobilize any, you know, real dissent and opposition to the sort of stuff. They're Understood. Doing. The other story going around, and I'm not sure we've answered it yet in this room. About the cameras. That, uh, the cameras uh, in the private home. Well, the 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 FBI wanted them turned off. What right do they have to do that, Andy? And, I mean, I don't uh, think. Tell us. I, I don't think that. Well, I don't think they do have a right. Now they can ask, but I don't think they have a right to. Have I, I would never allow that to happen up. because the best evidence to protect the person who's a, the recipient of that search warrant about what happened in the search, whether it's a really a good search, and you know what I mean by a good search, Andy, and is and, having right. the cameras on. And Andy McCarthy, yeah. one last question: Why send thirty agents from Washington D.C. versus using the Florida agents? I know we've heard well they wanted to keep it tight lipped. How come about it? What about all the leaks? I, I, that's what I was just yeah. What about the leaks well, to the they, Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal and to Newsweek, and it goes on and on. Yeah, but they always have a they always have a pretext to do that sort of thing when national security information is involved. What they'll want to, what they'll want to say is, look, we were going in, we were expecting to find classified information. Uh, that's usually on a need to know basis. We only wanted agents who were cleared for the investigation uh, to be involved in the search because it's not an ordinary crime. It's a crime that involves right. pur- purportedly, at least. Uh, national security information. And for that reason, I imagine that probably informs why at least they had an ostensible reason to to say they didn't want the cameras rolling, because they'd say, you know, we're we're talking about classified information here. We don't want something accidentally to get on camera. Now, we may all think that what they're really, you know, what they're trying to do is play fast and loose, but the national security aspect of it gives them at least a pretext to do those sorts of things when they wouldn't have that in a normal case. And one last thing, Trump, he actually put out on his Truth Social Media that the DOJ and FBI had asked his legal representatives back in June to put an extra lock on a door leading to the place where some boxes were stored at Mar-a-Lago. He said, of course, we agreed. They were shown the secure area and the boxes themselves, but he says it it was those locks and that room that they specifically went after so it just seems yeah, well, yeah it seems bizarre well what i'd say about that though is um when i was a prosecutor if a defense lawyer or a defendant was out making false representations about the investigation we would find a reason publicly to refute that you know whether it was a filing with the court or whatever um so i think it's incumbent on the justice department if what the president said is true, then it should it should stand on its own. If they want to take issue with it, they should get out and say, you know, he's got his facts wrong. 
But one way or the other, it, it would be nice to hear something from the Justice Department because I know they don't want to talk about investigations. Yeah. Never in the history of the Justice Department or in the United States have prosecutors uh, raided, even with a warrant, uh, the home of a former president of the United States. And it's, it's an extraordinary event Shrugged. in American history, and, and, and I think it— Andrew, to get an answer. Andrew McCarthy, thank you for so much for you know telling the American people the the truth and speaking out for for our way of life. God bless you and God bless America. And we'll catch up again soon. My pleasure. Thanks. Nice to talk to all of you. Thank you. And now we have Charlie Gasparino calling in, and today the CPI numbers come in, and and you now me and Charlie disagree sometimes. But sometimes we do agree. Charlie, give us your, your analysis of what the heck is going on in our economy. Well, the market the, went up, five, what, 500 points today? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy stuff. I mean, the market is signaling that they believe Powell is two and done, like maybe one more and done, you know, so or maybe two more and done, that he's done with raising interest rates, um, that he'll blink. Um, as a matter of fact, I had a couple of – Traders call him Blinky today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm just going to tell you what I hear from people that follow the Fed. You know, I talk to academics who follow the Fed. I talk to people that run major money management firms that buy bonds that follow the Fed. Can't use their name because they spoke to me off the record. Um, they were all telling me that the word they're getting from inside the agency is that the Fed is committed to the 2% inflation target. If you're committed to a 2% inflation target, it's going to be hard getting uh, inflation down anytime soon below 4%. So we're, I, I don't understand why the market is decoupled other than they just don't have confidence that Jerome Powell's got the backbone to uh, to keep doing it. And, wow. uh, and and by the way, markets like low interest rates borrow you know the whole, the whole thing, you know. Um, Turn the uh, turn the markets into a casino, and uh, you know it's not that I'm rooting for you know a recession and all, but I mean when you when you have what was the the, the inflation number was not low right now, right? It went from nine point one to eight point five. The the positive news it wasn't eight point seven, which was expected. That's still wickedly high, and the C, the core numbers weren't weren't better weren't that great. Uh, I mean you know you want five percent inflation, that's still much higher than we're used to. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I I just I don't. I'm, you know, there is just clearly a disconnect between the policy statements of the Fed. Well, I, I don't know if you saw the my discussion with uh, Maria Bartiromo this morning. No, uh, I don't get up that early. John. Okay, and I did say to her, uh, it was at eight uh, at eight thirty. I did say to her, I was that getting my beauty sleep. We spent point. we spent a trillion dollars, trillions of dollars defending the COVID uh, problem. And all I said is uh, maybe, maybe uh, the Fed, uh, Jay Powell, could wait at least 13 weeks before he destroys the real estate industry. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, you know, the problem is, John, when you have uh, inflation, if you don't, uh, if you don't get it out fast, you know, it keeps percolating, and it's, but it's a f inflation that we created, uh, Charlie. Oh, I know. I'm we create uh, the president. The White House created well, the Fed, that inflation by creating the price uh, the price increases in oil. Well, that, I mean, the whole thing that affected. I mean, they, were, they were handed. Everything. They were literally handing people money so they can gamble in the stock market. I mean, I, I saw what happened. 
I mean, it was. I mean, the reason why you had a meme stock mania, people throwing all this money, is because you had very low interest rates, cheap borrowing costs. On top of that, you were getting stimmy checks, and you had nothing better to do but to trade. And stocks kept going up in that environment. I mean, that's kind of what they did. And now to get people off that heroin, they're all getting scared. And you know, it. it, it it's. I'm just saying that today. Well, they lost. Uh, they lost the money if they would have bought bitcoins. Well, they lost some money. It yeah. depends on when they bought it. Bought it, right? It's at twenty-three thousand. It was as high as sixty. Uh, but uh, I, I'm just saying that the, the word coming out of the Fed to get back to what I was saying, John, is uh, that they're committed to two percent. If they're committed to two percent, we're going to see many more rate hikes. They well, just, it's two percent. It's not going to happen. It may happen by the end of the year, beginning of next year. Uh, if, we'll see more rate if, hikes. If, is that good for the market? If we can get crude oil down uh, to the 60s or 70s, and then food stops uh, rate, rate being uh, uh, hiked, then it could get to, to 3-4. Well, 3-4 is not the target. They say they're committed to 2. Uh, Neil Kashkari came out, the, the the Minnesota Fed chief, came out and said it today. They were at some 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 talk. There was a bunch of, uh, I think it was the Aspen Institute. I could be wrong about that, but I, I, he, he spoke, and he you know, he was asked by Larry Fink of BlackRock, of all people, right? BlackRock does a lot of bonds, so Larry knows the bond market. Why don't you just settle for 3% inflation? He goes, no, 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 no. We got to go. We're going to two. Well, then we're going to get a, we're going to get a recession. Is that good for stocks? I don't think so. But, yeah, no. but, are, but listen, they didn't tell the whole truth on, on the jobs number. Uh, I don't know if you looked at the details of the jobs number. What was it, 528,000? Yeah. Uh, it was part-time jobs, more than half of part-time jobs. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. And this inflation report wasn't so good either, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, so I, I don't understand. Markets look, especially in this environment, when you know we're just coming off of this sort of wicked heroin high of money printing and stimmy checks and everything else, infusing markets and, and retail investing and everything else. Uh, you got something like that to, to <clears throat> weed off. That is not easy. It takes time, and to change people's habits takes a lot of time. People are still buying meme stocks right now. AMC has rallied from thirteen to twenty-three. Charlie, this, is, this, this company loses money. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What was the last time any of you guys went to the movies? Charlie, let me ask you this question, please. It's Richard Weinberg. Hey, Richard. Uh, I'm very concerned about this bill that's about to uh, to pass. This Schumer mansion. Yeah, sounds so, like another waste of money. But I mean, yeah. right. I mean, so ha- clearly they're not off the habit. They're going to spend more money. They're going to yeah. send all these, I mean, another 80,000 uh, IRA agents. By the way, who are they going after, these IRA agents, 80,000 of them? I don't know. We've, we're turning into a police state. I mean, between IRS agents and the FBI sniffing through John, Donald Trump's laundry, I mean, it's, the whole thing is just – is is just insane. And, and who's getting the money in this new bill? The green, the green New Deal types are getting money, and the pharmaceutical research and development oh, yeah. is and being killed. All the, all the deficit reduction is backloaded, so it'll never happen. The whole thing is a tax increase in there. I mean, it's just a jumble thing. I mean, Joe Manchin, I, I don't understand why they keep voting for him. Because in the end, he's not a conservative. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's a liberal. You know, he's an old-fashioned Democrat. And uh, and he's basically a liberal. He's what Joe Biden used to be ten years ago. Joe Biden now is what Bernie Sanders is now. So you understand how the how the uh, how it's all shifted. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
And uh, but John, I just I'm telling you, get back to your question. I I don't understand the market. It's just it's looking for any reason, like uh, you know, a slightly better beat on inflation. That who knows if it's really better. Uh, and it's saying, oh, one more and we're done. Let's buy the let's buy the stocks, buy the indexes. Um, and then Neil Cash Carey is coming out. They're saying, no, we're totally committed to two percent. Well, that means there's more rate hikes to come. Charlie Gasparino, thank you so much for everything you do. God bless you. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thank See you, you guys. Bye. You know, uh, the other big story that we didn't talk about, three migrant buses came to New York City. And did you hear Governor Abbott? He's saying that he said to Mayor Adams, make my day, because Mayor Adams is threatening to go back down there. If you were Governor Abbott, if you were go- listen, I'm a New Yorker, but if I'm Governor Abbott, he's doing exactly the right thing, because he's pointing the picture at where it should really be pointed, and that is the federal failure to enforce the border. It's not, it's not Abbott's problem, okay? I don't because, blame Abbott, Because yeah. of, of uh, the wilderness coming alive. It's because they let the border open. What do you think, Congressman? I think if Mayor Adams goes down to campaign against uh, Governor Abbott, it's the best Governor thing Abbott, ever happened. Governor Abbott should declare that as a campaign contribution from Eric Adams. I can't <laughs> imagine no, anything that would help I him said, more. But I said publicly that Eric Adams, uh, why complain to Governor Abbott? The, the people are coming across the border, right. and uh, uh, the fact is, uh, tell the White House and uh, enforce the uh, border. Why didn't Adams have a problem when the federal government was flying thousands of them in in the dead of night through it's Westchester still, County Airport and, and, and Seward International? The flights are coming in every day. And but they're they making their way they down. Didn't land, they didn't land in the five boroughs. Right. Yeah. Well, or it didn't politically but, suit well, him listen, to go after Westchester. It happened well, in Long Island. Okay. Nobody was saying anything. They were doing it in the middle of the night. They're using federal employees. And did employees you see the guys getting off the buses? I, I saw maybe one woman and one child. They're all able bodied young men, an army of young men being brought here. We don't know who they are, what, what they are, where have, they came what from. What the connections exactly. Also, Eric Adams has no and right to talk complain. about congestion pricing today, too, because it's getting out of control. They want to tax the. The hell out of New Yorkers. It's going to be brutal for people in the outer boroughs. It's going to be brutal for people in the suburbs. And it's going to hurt Manhattan. And then but, on top of it, they want to, what, weaponize now the IRS? Well, We're going to talk to... Open up a, if they want to open up a casino mm. in Manhattan, let the casino pay for the... Uh, for the uh, That's right. The congestion pricing. Why right. why charge ordinary middle class people that are trying to get Let to work, trying to go to the hospital? I mean, come on. But we're going to talk to Congressman Guys, Garbarino. The MTA. Let the casino pay for the. Uh, uh, yes, the we're, we're going to talk more about that. Let's. We're going to take a break. We're going yeah. to talk more about it afterwards. Yes. And right after, uh, uh, we're going to have Lou Dobbs right now. Yes. Right after that. We're going to have uh, Congressman Garbarino. He's going to talk to us about how he's fighting against them, bring, the IRS bringing tens of thousands of new agents. Keep it right here. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. We still got a great show for everyone. Just to remind everyone who's in studio, Congressman Peter King, Judge Richard Weinberg, John Katz Matidis, and myself, Lydia. Now on the line with us, we have a Dr. Bruce Farber. He's a Northwell Health physician. He specializes in <coughs> infectious diseases. Uh, welcome to Cats at Night, Dr. Farber. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dr. Farber, I can just say one thing. I was talking to Michael Dowling, and we wanted an expert a monkey pox, and he said, you're the greatest expert in the world, so that's good enough for me. Right. He's had almost 50 years of experience in the medical field, so just a little bit of experience. 
I'm not that old, not 50 years, but go ahead. <laughs> I heard you're 49. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Dr. Farber, tell us about monkeypox. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stigmatism related to it, but it can also be spread by, you know, person to person without any sort of sexual contact, which makes me worried considering that I have a child who's about to go into kindergarten. So tell us how worried should we be and how can monkeypox be spread from person to person? Uh, yeah, monkeypox is spread, like you said, by close skin to skin contact, cuddling, laying on top of somebody. The problem with monkeypox, and we don't know the extent of it, but it certainly can happen, is that it's spread by fomites too. So, you know, you lie on the sheets, and then your child lies on the sheets, uh, then the child can get it from the sheets. That's how smallpox, its close cousins, were spread. The first act of bioterrorism occurred in the colonial period of time when uh, they gave monkeypox uh, blankets. It's a well-known story if you want to read it. But um, So it can be spread certainly in many routes, but it's close to close contact. Does that mean if I shook somebody's hand and has it, I could get it? It's really not practical. In theory, yes. But when you look at the practical cases, you see that it's, for the most part, very close, intimate, and fairly prolonged contact. There are a couple of cases that have shown transmission from, you know, people lying on uh, massage boards and things that other people had been on that didn't get uh, disinfected. But it's not casual contact. I mean, I'm in a hospital all day long. I've seen these patients. There's not been one single healthcare worker in the United States who's gotten monkeypox from a patient yet. Yeah, there have been a couple in Europe, but it's really not that contagious. And uh, does the smallpox vaccine, even if we got it 20 years ago, still somewhat effective? You know, no one knows the answer to that. Most people feel that after 20 years has gone by, you're back to square one. And I certainly wouldn't count on it. Well, what about polio then? What about the shots we all got when we were younger and polio, doctor? Yeah, polio is a different story. I mean, polio... First of all, I know there's this outbreak now that you're referring to that's occurring predominantly in Westchester, where there's a lot of unvaccinated kids. And the strain that's causing that, not to divert from monkeypox, but the strain that's causing that came from a live vaccine that we don't use in this country. For those of you who uh, remember, there's the soft vaccine, which is the killed vaccine, the only one we've used in the last 25 years in the U.S., and there was the Sabin vaccine, the live vaccine, which we stopped using because it can occasionally actually cause polio. And that's what happened in this outbreak. But anybody who's really up to date and got all four shots should be immune for life from polio. And, and, and doctor, uh, you know, uh, people are walking around and uh, how should I say it? They're scared. There's a big fear factor. Uh, with, with everybody. I mean, is uh, well, what would you say to these people? What can they do to be, make themselves more, uh, to keep themselves more safe? Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, first of all, I think we need to keep these risks in mind. Look, COVID was the real thing. You know, over a million people died of COVID, and the number is going to roughly be between 100 and 125,000 a year going forward. Uh, if, if the current trends continue. Monkeypox is not that disease. People do not have to get, you know, crazy by the media hyping this that, you know, monkeypox is, is right around the corner. Most cases, as you well know, are still related to men having sex with men. Yes, it will certainly spread into other areas. That will happen over time. But at the present time, that's still 
you know, the, the majority, overwhelming majority of cases. So who you sleep with, who you're very close and intimate with has the, is the most important factor in whether you're at risk for monkeypox. But, but you're bringing up a very important point, and that's that there are a whole bunch of new zoonotic infections that keep hitting us one after another. West Nile, Lyme disease, avian flu, COVID, Ebola, Marburg, monkeypox, and the list could go on and on and on. And that is something that, you know, I think we just need to accept. That's, you know, that's Darwin. That's the nature of us living. It's like all these other changes that are occurring in our environment. And we need to just try to stay ahead of them. And, you know, I just want to make one other point about this monkeypox. You know, we have a good vaccine and, you know, it's being used extensively. There's weights for it. But remember that monkeypox vaccine was never made for monkeypox. We weren't that smart. We weren't that quick. We were very lucky. That monkeypox vaccine that we have was made in case there was a bioterrorist attack with smallpox. And we sequestered doses starting in the early 2000s when there was, uh, you know, bioterrorism threats. And we're using that vaccine because it happens to work against its close cousin, monkeypox. But we're very lucky in that regard. We have 30 seconds left. What else do you want to tell the American people? I tell them to keep their, their risks appropriate. We can't panic. I mean, 700 people die each year in this country from either a tree falling them uh, or a coconut falling from them. That doesn't mean I'm not going to go outside and jog around trees. You know, we got to live our lives and keep things in perspective. Well, thank you so much, uh, doctor. And uh, uh, Northwell Hospital is a great hospital system. And, and we'll catch up with you again like uh, I, real I, soon. I, I, uh, I, Congressman, yeah, you're on I, the board. Yeah, I am uh, uh, proud to be a consultant in Northwell. It's a great, great institution. Michael Daly is a great leader, and everything you told us about Dr. Farber is true. Great job, doctor. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye-bye. Okay, stay healthy. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back with John McLaughlin because he keeps the scorecard of, of the primary races last night. So we're going to find out all the secrets. What the heck happened last night? Let's take that break. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now we have on the line for us uh, John McLaughlin. I'm looking how I how can I, you're like the pollster of the all number pollsters. one pollster in, re, in Republican politics, and we want to know what Trump's score was last night. So I got to say one thing. My wife just texted me not to talk to John because he still hasn't given her a date for dinner. So John, I'm I'm out of it. So you come come forth. <laughs> We're going to go. I'm going to let my wife, Mary, negotiate that with Rosemary. But but, uh, but in the meantime, in the meantime, the important thing is for Donald Trump, he looked like Pete King in the elections <laughs> because last night his endorsed candidates went 17 and 0. 17 and, uh, and 0? Right. Oh, and my his, God. What's the scorecard now? So what's the scorecard? It was 172 to 10 before. It's 192 to 11. Oh, my so, uh, God. Where did the so other one pick up? It was it used to be ten. Well, I I think one of the ones in Washington State didn't go well. They have mail-in ballots out there. So it was Dan, uh, uh, Dan Newhouse in Washington. They, they called Brooklyn for additional ballots. <laughs> right, probably. But 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 in in our local area, you had Leora Levy, who President Trump endorsed last Thursday, and, and full disclosure, I worked for Leora. And we, you know, most I see you must have had some influence on that one. 
Uh, well, you know, you can't lie to President Trump when he tells you he asks you what the polls were. But but she was on July 27th. We were only at 18 percent in the polls, but almost half the voters were undecided. And if President Trump would endorse her, she would get 48 percent of the vote because she was running as a Trump support, a Trump supporting candidate. And, and the other uh, gal, Demis, was not. Well, no, uh, Demis, you know, nice person, but she never supported President Trump. Really? Because I, I knew well, Demis. Uh, I met her at Demis at uh, Larry Kudlow's uh, birthday parties all the time. Right. Right. She's a nice person, but she's had recent issues in 2020 with President Trump. And Lior is a businesswoman. She's an outsider. What's interesting is she's a she's a refugee from Cuba. She came over when she was young. Her grandparents were Holocaust survivors, went to Cuba, and then they came to uh, the United States after having to leave Ca- uh, Cuba for Castro. Wow. So, uh, give, give, us some of the, give us some of the other uh, 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 winners. winners in different states. Give us the other ones. Well, the governor's race in, in uh, Wisconsin, Tim Michaels won uh, over a, a former lieutenant governor, and he was supported by President Trump. They had uh, five other congressional cr- candidates and senatorial candidates he had, including a uh, Ron Johnson, and uh, as well as uh, uh, he endorsed uh, candidates in Minnesota that won. So it was 17 and 0 uh, yesterday. And but the big one was uh, the big. I think the surprising upset was was Lior uh, for Senate because Dick Blumenthal is vulnerable. And Dick Blumenthal, when you when you uh, uh, you know when you look at it, we, we well the, the campaign should be if you think Joe Biden is doing a great job, right? Vote for uh, Dick Blumenthal. Didn't Dick Blumenthal lie and say he was in Vietnam or something and he wasn't there? True, yeah, he said that a number yeah. of times. Yeah, he so he's a Vietnam. liar. Yeah, he's never in Vietnam. Yeah, it's just it's just like he said this the the Inflation Reduction Act. It's it's not a reduction. <laughs> it's going to increase inflation. There's he he's voting lock and step with. With Joe Biden for all these policies. Well, I understand are- last night uh, there was a, a debate the other night the, and with Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney. Right. And mm-hmm. I know both of them very well for a long time, both of them. Mm-hmm. And I was very disappointed. Jerry Nadler says there is no problem at the border. I mean, I, I gonna, love Jerry, who, but how can he say that? Who are you going to believe? The millions of people coming across the border or Jerry? What oh did they say? God. If you tell a lie enough times, people think it's the truth? Is that what he's trying to I do, just, maybe? I was very disappointed that Jerry said that. But I'm still upset yeah. with John McLaughlin that he didn't tell you that you were losing Manhattan, John, when you ran. No, John here. McLaughlin never <laughs> told me I was losing Manhattan. And that's the good news, you know, because I made a, you know, it's not like I think you still did okay. Donald though. Trump, I lost a few bees. I made a few bees. Look, the problem was you gave Rudy Giuliani the show, and he endorsed the other guy in your primary. You're much more generous to him than he was uh, to you. So well, he regrets it. He, 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 I know he, he regrets, regrets it. it. I think everybody <laughs> regrets it. Oh, my God. But, but back then, Rudy was able to. You know, he was able to. Uh, he was a force in the primary, and, uh, uh, and I think Joe. I think Joe Loder's is mad at everybody. I mean, uh, I congratulated him on a few things. He never responded. No, no, he's, oh, he's well. Loder's a good, is a good guy. Let me ask you this yeah, question. But I congratulated him on a few things. He never responded. I mean, he may, maybe he's mad at the whole world. No. So he, he had right, uh, he had lunch with us across the street. Omar. Omar. Yeah, how I come, understand how Omar's come she primary. Won? How come she won? No, Omar's primary. She, she won only by two like, points. Two, two points. points. Tell us about that right. one. She was recently booed at a. There's a lot of Somali refugees and immigrants who live in her district, and she was recently booed at a concert of ten thousand Somalis because they don't like her stands 
on the LGBTQ issues because most of them happen to be religious Muslims. And so Whoa. her bases, right? Exactly. They don't like. They don't. Aren't like the Muslims where, the ones in the in the Far East that throw gays off the roofs? Not in certain countries they do that. Uh, yeah, not, tell me which countries because it's, it's quite a few countries. Uh, Maybe Iran. not Dubai, but there's a, quite a few countries that do that. Well, a lot of the countries right. they make it illegal to be uh, gay and. Yeah, so yeah, Omar is a separate but, but, category. Anyone who can defeat Omar, I'm on their side. Yeah, Do we well, have a good well, Republican running against her? That's a Democratic it's a district. The very Democratic district. It, so it, yeah, that was Keith big. Ellison's district before her. Very yeah, Democratic. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, but by the way, the Republicans have a good shot of picking up winning races in, in Minnesota and, mm-hmm. and possibly winning the governor's race in John Minnesota. John we got one minute left. Give us some bullets. Well, you should watch watch Connecticut because Dick Blumenthal's in trouble in a Dick Morris poll. He was recently only 45 percent. Most of the voters want to vote against him. But uh, Joe Biden had a 55 percent disapproval rating. And also our friend, your friend, Bob Stefanowski, is running in a very close race with uh, Ned Lamont in that state. So uh, so there's, there's, besides New York with Lee Zeldin, you've got a uh, you've got close races in Connecticut now to watch. Well, you know. I think we need a we need to have checks and balances in our country, and you know I've been a very a common sense Democrat. I've supported Bill Clinton many many days, uh, but right now we need to, to have a balance of power in Washington. Otherwise, we're going to have a problem. And we need it. By the way, we need it in New York, and we need it in Connecticut. Because when you look at New England, sure, Massachusetts. We has need a, a balance of power. New Hampshire. Vermont, right. 20 seconds left. What do you make of uh, Andrew Cuomo's tweet yesterday? I didn't see it. I'm not. I don't, oh, I don't my God. He, he said basically the DOJ and the FBI, they better have the goods on Trump. That And they he hopes they didn't raid him over some text National them, Archives stuff. Text them. Text them the, uh, the, the tweet. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. And we have to take a break. And when we come back, we have one of your other clients, maybe. Is he? No. 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 He's not a client? Okay. He's not a client? No, no he's not. He, John is almost everybody. He does not have Andrew Garbarino. Andrew Garbarino has John's former partner. So, oh, my yeah. God. It's all it's all together. It's all one big family. Well, I wonder if his former partner would have told me I was losing Manhattan. <laughs> Andrew, thank Andrew you, Garbarino. John, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Let's take the break and come back with Andrew Garbarino. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. You, Congressman King, you do the honors of our next guest. Yeah, I am very proud to uh, introduce our next guest, Andrew Garbarino. Congressman Garbarino is doing a great job. Andrew, tell me where you're going this week and how come you have to go back to Washington. Uh, it's, it's, uh, thanks for having me on. It's great to be back, guys. It's a disgrace. we got to go back to Washington to vote against this uh, Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, which is that in name only. As everybody has said, it's uh, going to do anything but uh, lower inflation. It's just more spending on more Democratic pet projects. So uh, every every Republican's flying back into town to vote against this bill, and hopefully four uh, common sense Democrats will vote against it as well, and then then it will fail. How about the eighty-seven thousand IRS agents? Uh, oh, it's, you know these they're spending all billions of dollars to hire eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents. That means there are going to be more people working at the depart at the IRS. 
and uh, the DOD, Department of Homeland Security, Border Patrol, all combined. It's, it's, it's a joke. Uh, and they're not just going to be looking at you know what I said, billionaires and Andrew, millionaires. You know what I said, Congressman, you know what I said to Maria, Maria Bartolomo this morning? I said there's only 1,000 billionaires on the Forbes uh, billionaire list. That means if they use up 1,000 IRS agents for the 1,000 billionaires, does all the rest of them go against the middle class? Right. And the uh, there's a new study that came out, Congressman Garbarino, that the IRS audits middle class families at a five time rate than it does everyone else. So clearly they can say all they want. They're not going after the middle class. But who else would they be going after? It's good. <laughs> exactly. It's small business owners and middle class uh, families. That's who they're going after. They're going to be looking at your Venmo payments, anything that you do through your phone. They're going to be lifting up every little rock to get. And they're using your dollars to do this. You're, they're using your tax dollars to get more tax dollars from you. It's an absolute joke. Uh, it, it's going to cost a lot of people more money out of their own pocketbooks, middle class families, uh, firemen, cops, teachers. Speaking, these, Andrew, going to get hit more. Speaking about it being hit more, what's going on with this congestion pricing that they're trying to push through? Uh, well, we're you know this was something that the state passed. Uh, I voted against it when I was in the state legislature. We're trying to uh, Nicole Malliotakis is leading the effort, but we're trying to get the uh, Department of Transportation, the Federal Department of Transportation, to stop them uh, from implementing this in the city uh, because it's just going to add more and more. They're nickel and diming everybody. This is just going to nickel and dime every person that has to drive into Manhattan for work. Uh, You know, it's an absolute joke. And a a group is going to pick out who gets exempted, who's not. Uh, You know, it's it's all... Andrew. Everything's being done. Here's how it works. If you have any Democratic friends uh, uh, in Washington, why don't you tell them this is crazy? Maybe you could convince a few of them. Peter, can you have any Democratic friends you can call? I will certainly work with Andrew on that. Uh, most of these Democrats are scared stiff of Nancy Pelosi. What they should be scared of really is the voters. Especially they any they should be scared of our wrath. Right. What, what about even yeah. salt? You even had some people that were for, you know, the salt tax. And they changed their mind the last minute because they got the phone call saying, if you don't do it our way, your, your, your back end is grass. We're getting screwed yeah. here in New York every six ways. Like, they're getting blood from a rock at this point. What, Congressman well, Garbarino, what do you say? How, quick, how quickly they folded. I mean, all these guys last year who said men and women, congressmen and women, senators, who all said no salt, no deal. They all folded. I mean, there's, there, there were at least 12 of them that said they wouldn't vote uh, unless salt was included. Well, salt's not included, and now they came up with an excuse. They Give me a few names. Uh, we uh, want the names. Andrew. Give me some, some names. Remember what happened to Kaputsky, I mean Kaminsky. Yeah, well, you had, I mean, uh, Tom Swazi, uh, you know. He, he folded? Uh, yes. yes. God, My God, who else? Scott Gottheimer. Scott and Mickey Sherrill, they both folded very quickly from, from New Jersey. Uh, it's it's it, you know neither, How about Josh Gottheimer? He's no. supposed to have common sense. He folded. He folded. He folded. Oh my God! Senator Senator Menendez. Senator Menendez was one. He folded also. Oh my God! We Such a disappointment. Three, this is why we get to do is tax, tax, tax. And you know what's even worse? And we don't have time to talk about it. Maybe you call back in the next couple of days. Uh, tell us what's going on in Washington. Um, Give us an update. Yeah. The congestion pricing. 
They're killing yeah. New Yorkers. They're going to kill everybody that lives in Long Island because they're going to charge them a lot of money to come see their doctor or their, uh, in Manhattan. So, Congressman Garbarino, after you come back from D.C., give us a call again so then we can discuss more about this weaponization of the IRS, congestion pricing, and what you're doing to fight for the middle class. Well, thank Thanks, you Andrew. for calling thank you. in. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, uh, Congressman Garbarino, and we're at the end of the show, and one great show again today. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do we stand for in this show? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. We need a blessing.